and welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Words podcast. It's been a while, I admit, but I think this episode is worth the wait. It's certainly been a long time um, since I had first asked this week's guest to record that we actually managed to sit down together. There always seemed to be something that either I was doing or she was doing that we couldn't make our schedules connect. But eventually we did manage to sit down and record this episode and it was such a pleasure to talk to her about this wonderful book that she's written. And I really hope that everybody enjoys hearing about it today. Now the book in question came to my attention, I think as part of an Instagram post, um, when I saw Sarah's cover reveal. And it just, it was a cover that had so much atmosphere and so many of the elements that I love in my stories that um, I immediately wanted to read it. And I don't know whether Sarah offered me a copy or whether I was, um, whether I asked for one, Uh, but either way, I ended up with a copy and um, it did not disappoint. It has all of the elements that I love from a really creepy atmospheric thriller, which is a fabulous location, a really creepy building and some genuine senses of not knowing what to expect as the story progresses. Um, The book in question is The Sanatorium by Sarah Pierce and many of you have probably already read this book or heard about this book. Sarah's been on a remarkable journey since she was first picked up as a debut writer by her publisher Um, because her book went on to be selected by the Reese Witherspoon Book Club. And Reese herself described it as an eerie atmospheric novel that had me completely at the edge of my seat, which I think goes for probably most people who read it, because it's really, really atmospheric, and you just, you honestly don't know what's coming next. So let's hand over to the interview in question. Uh, This was a fabulous conversation to record. Um, I really hope that you enjoy listening to Sarah talk about her book. And if you haven't read it yet already, um, the paperback is going to be out at the end of this year and it comes um, recommended by so many writers. I don't even need to say anything else about it. So, um, Let's go over to the conversation and I really hope you enjoy hearing about this novel this week. I guess I'd like to start just by saying congratulations, like the sanatorium has gone so well. Oh, thank you. It's just been one of those sort of huge, huge whirlwinds. And I think from the beginning when we were kind of initially talking, weren't we? It was just something that, yeah, just very unexpected and just, yeah, amazing, really. I mean, I remember talking to you such a long time ago. I don't know where we first connected or where we first spoke, whether it was on Instagram or Twitter. I have no idea. But I remember (laughs) talking to you before anything had been published and um, you asked me if I'd like to read it. And when it came through, and I think think actually now in, in saying that, I remember seeing your cover reveal and that was what excited me about it I think yeah I think that's right actually I think it was the cover reveal and we kind of got into a chat didn't we yes that was it and it I mean it was such a wonderful cover and it's so evocative of the story itself (laughs) um but and I was so excited to read it ahead of time because it did really just look like such a fabulous book but then when it was published it just skyrocketed and so (laughs) 
I'd love to just ask you about what that experience has been like to go from in sort of the space of six or eight months as a mm. debut author prepping for publication <laughs> um, and then you know in a blink of an eye you're a Reese's book club pick and it's gone just into the stratosphere so tell me a little bit about how, what that experience has been like. Yeah, I mean, it, as I said, it really is has just been a sort of immense whirlwind. But I think I'd gone from the stage of just so excited about it being published. And I think, to be honest, it's, you know, when you start writing your kind of first book, it's all you dream of, isn't it? It's just actually holding that book in your hands. You're not kind of, totally. I, well, I, well, I didn't really have any other kind of expectations. So that for me was just hugely exciting. And then, yeah, once I found out from my editor in the US about the Reese News, everything just kind of, yeah, spiralled from there, just in terms of sort of things I had to get ready for the sort of Reese News to be live. I think I found out in the December and then I was the Reese February book pick. So yeah, there was lots right. of things to do from there. So yeah, kind of lots of content to, to create. So yeah, it was just one huge whirlwind, but just the most exciting news. I really didn't know. I, I mean, my publicist in the US, I think things books automatically get sent out for the sort of book of the month um yeah or any of the big, big book clubs but you never kind of imagine it was not something that was made sort of a big deal of so I really had no idea um so when I got the call I was just kind of at home with my family and it was in the evening and she just sort of said on an email to um my agent as well I've just got some huge news um and then we went on a zoom call and she told me and it was just yeah everything literally from that moment just sort of exploded <laughs> That's incredible. And and it is, I think it's even more special when you are not expecting it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because I don't think the book, I mean, of, yeah, obviously I know certain books kind of, yeah, have had lots and lots of sort of pre-publicity and yeah, you kind of feel that they're going to, you know, perhaps be a big book. Um, but yeah, I really had no idea. So it was just for a debut. It's one of those life-changing things. And I think, to be honest, that's what's so amazing about Reese's Book Club as a whole. You know, she does yeah. work with established authors, but also debuts yeah. and it is life-changing. She can kind of extend that hand, that sort of paying it forward. Um, and yeah, just make a huge, huge difference for a debut. I know absolutely I'm very sort of humbled and grateful because I think I found readers I probably wouldn't have found otherwise. Um, and particularly all over the world, I, I did a book club with India recently, a Zoom call, and they were kind of, oh, we always look at the Reese book pick. So yeah, all around the world, it's had an impact, which is amazing. I do think because she has such a, a, a household name that uh, her exposure does definitely bring other readers. But I think one of the reasons why it brings readers is because I think people see it as a very genuine book club of a book lover. She just happens to be very famous. Yes. Um, I've seen her talking about how books are picked for the book club and whether there are kickbacks for publishers. And she was very clear saying, no, this yeah. is what I created because I love books and the books that we have for the book club are the books that I just want to share and do well yeah. um, and I think that's why people are so receptive of the books that she chooses yeah definitely and I think you can see from the variety of books there's no kind of formula oh this month it's this yeah. kind of book or yeah you know, it's a summer book yeah. you might see a more summery read in the summer months but it's just yeah a huge variety of books from a sort of huge variety of female authors from all walks of life and yeah I think that's what makes it so successful I think so too so so tell me about the sanatorium. Tell me about uh, what the premise is 
who the characters are and what, not tell us what happens, but give us a bit of a taste. Yeah, so I think the title is a very good hint, actually. You read some, you see some titles for books where it doesn't always necessarily give away what's going on. Um, but the title of the sanatorium, um, the book is set in an old abandoned sanatorium that's been converted into a luxury hotel called Le Somme. Um, and in the book, we follow Ellen, who's a British detective, as she kind of travels to the Swiss Alps, where the, the sanatorium is, um, to celebrate her brother's engagement um, but almost as soon as she arrives she's kind of sort of quite thrown um, by the building itself because although it's kind of been converted into this beautiful hotel it's very minimalist very kind of cool and she's kind of almost already picking up on that kind of clinical past um, and not only that, she's got a bit of a strange relationship with her brother Isaac. They've been estranged for a few years. So even though it's kind of a happy celebration, there's sort of tension between them, which I think you pick on, up on immediately. Um, you do. Yeah. And almost as soon as she arrives um, the following day, uh, Isaac's fiance law disappears. And it's kind of on Ellen to investigate. Um, and yeah, things sort of take a dark turn for her. There's a huge snowstorm, uh, more people go missing. And it's kind of really up to her and her alone to solve the case. One thing I really love about this is, is something that you touched upon there, is that from the very offset, you pick up on the tension between the family members. Mm -hmm. And you understand that this reunion is not something, even though they're celebrating sort of the engagement, you understand that this is not something that's necessarily easy for any of them. So I'd love to just hear about your thoughts about family relationships in thrillers and um, if that's something that you're really drawn to. Yeah, definitely. I think having that kind of, I personally always love kind of reading about family sort of dramas and, and sort of complex relationship dynamics, whether it's in a thriller or something sort of more lighthearted in a way. But I, yeah, I, it's something I'm sort of endlessly fascinated by. And I think it probably stems from the idea um, that when you're younger and you're kind of, you know, in a house with siblings and parents, you kind of, yeah, you're living that day to day. You feel like you know them really well. And I think one of the ideas I'm interested in is as you grow older and you kind of have your own lives you perhaps move away from each other you're no longer obviously living in the same house how those kind of bonds can be tested and yeah the idea of how much do you really know that person you think you do you have that shortcut um but yeah how does that actually play out and I think with Ellen and Isaac we kind of see all those questions and almost assumptions and judgments she's made about him um come to yeah. the fore um, and obviously, yeah, it's it's very much linked to Ellen's own sort of personal questions. But yeah, everything she thought she knew is kind of thrown on its head, really, throughout the book. And and you mentioned there about living in the house, growing up together, how you can't get away from each other. Mm. Um, and that is something that's sort of replaying here in the sanatorium because they arrive at this place, La Somme, which is very, very... Um, it's very chic. I mean, it's exactly the kind of hotel I'd like to go to without the without all of the other yeah, parts the macabre. of the story. <laughs> but um, but they're 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 thrown back together in this wonderful setting and then cannot escape. And uh, I like that sort of characters in a locked room and and the who done it and the unable to escape so is that something is that another theme that you're drawn to in the, the sort of thriller and and also the horror genre 
Yeah, I think it adds a real kind of intensity. I've spoken about this a few times, actually, about kind of what makes it so magical. And I think you do have that element, obviously, like in all kind of locked room things where, you know, the detectives on their own. So they're sort of tested physically, emotionally. There's kind of no police coming in on the sort of white horse to save the day, yes. which I think is really good. But I also think there's an intensity that you have as a writer. Um, I think because you aren't able to travel around kind of different locations, in a way, you're forced to sort of deepen the understanding of that one place and I think the hotel by doing that as I was writing to be honest I didn't have all the components there you're you're kind of evoking a different sense of that place whereas I think if I was able to move to a different setting um, the hotel itself wouldn't be this kind of so atmospheric brooding place I think I kind of got to know the hotel very well which I think kind of creates that sense of claustrophobia um, for the reader and to be honest for me as I was writing it. I definitely think the hotel comes across as a character in its own sense oh, in this good. story. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you were first inspired to create this location. Yeah, I I'd have to say it was really interesting. We've been going to sort of the same resort in Switzerland for ages. Um, and I'd driven past this sort of quite dramatic building, which kind of sits on the main road. It isn't kind of as remote as the sanatorium in the book. Um, and I had no idea um, about the sort of history of sanatoriums and the effect really they had on sort of um, the town and how it developed. And it was an article in like, um, it was just a sort of local Swiss magazine, a bit you kind of like have Surrey Life or Devon Life or any of those magazines. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and there was a, a, a photo uh, of an old building just explaining how sort of sanatoria were really the reason why people started coming in sort of huge numbers to the town um, and sort of the legacy right. of the sort of... Um, I suppose it sounds awful to say as a tourism industry, but kind of because people came to these clinics for the sort of altitude and fresh air, it meant that then roads were built and yeah, that sort of established the town um, as a town rather than a village. So yeah, I read that article and then I sort of kind of did my own research a little bit and sort of went online. And yeah, it just came to me. I'd always had the idea um, of I wanted to set fiction within the sort of mountain environment from living out there. But yeah, I didn't have the sort of sense of exactly how that would fit together until I read the article. Um, and in it, they right. kind of said how some of these sanatoria were turned into hotels. And immediately that struck me as really creepy. I thought, how would it feel to kind of live in a place where people had kind of sort of, you know, obviously lived and then died and yeah, yeah. It, just, it struck me as a, as, as a sort of fascinating place. And I've always been sort of really attracted to the idea of repurposed buildings, I think in the UK. And I mean, you probably have in Greece kind of buildings that have been transformed from their original purpose. You know, you have prisons, schools, yeah, uh, churches. And I just always think is that sort of energy of that old building kind of lingering and how I could explore that. So yeah, it all stemmed from there really. I do think so. Uh, I I was raised in a town in which um, on the very outskirts there was um, uh, a hospital for, um, well, it was an asylum essentially. Wow. And there, it, it's a beautiful big old sort of stately home. Yeah. And that's now been um, converted into a, apartments and homes. <gasps> and I can't imagine how it would be to live in a home that used to be, say, <laughs> a padded cell <laughs> places know. where you know I mean it's beautiful but I don't know whether I could and I remember it when it was derelict as well oh, um God. I remember it being sort of you know exactly like what you see on 
online when you look for abandoned buildings with records thrown everywhere and old uh, straight jackets on the floor that oh, kind of thing um and so I, de- I yeah I'm inspired by the same kind of thing and I think that's one of the reasons why this book really caught my attention is because I love the idea of that place with a history and a story and almost a, a voice of its own Definitely. being silenced and becoming something else yeah and the idea that can you really kind of because I, I it sort of then sort of evolved quite naturally into sort of almost within Ellen as a character that idea of can you kind of almost wallpaper over the past um and I yeah. think in the hotel in, in with the sanatorium and La Somme you know you can't and it, the fact that they've kind of deliberately included in the design these kind of macabre elements of sort of old yeah. um equipment from the building um yeah it's yeah. kind of very much sort of the past is fighting to to make its way into the present and I think Ellen has that obviously uh, yeah a mirror with her own past yeah her story definitely mirrors that in 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 the life of the building and and her life and and so tell us a little bit about Ellen um because she is I, I thought she was a wonderful character I really oh, loved her you. yeah I think she's been quite a controversial character actually uh, a few people have said they loved reading about her but kind of found her quite challenging and that's actually kind of what I wanted I wanted someone yeah I think that's a great kind of character oh thank you yeah I wanted someone yeah I think sometimes particularly with female kind of detectives in fiction I think sometimes they're given kind of quite masculine traits um and that's kind of seen as strong but I kind of wanted to play with that idea because I wanted Ellen you kind of very much see all her sort of fears and vulnerabilities and I don't think that kind of makes her any less strong as a person I think people have those and carry them kind of through with them in day-to-day life but often it's sort of suppressed in order to seem what we traditionally see as strong um, yeah, yes. Ellen's kind of carrying all of her baggage, as I think people do in real life. I don't think you are these kind of perfect people who can kind of switch into work mode and, and turn all those sort of emotions and feelings off. So, yeah, she arrives, I think, at quite an interesting point in her life because, yeah, she's she's not actually officially working as a detective. She's on a career break. So you kind of meet her in quite a raw, raw and vulnerable state. She's kind of got to make that decision quite soon. Is she going back or is she not? Um, yeah, but she's still got a lot of the sort of past from both her job and her personal life kind of weighing her down. And and I think it's true what you say there is that a lot of us, a lot of us have elements of our history, of our character that might not be very likable to all sorts of people. And so when we're reading about mm-hmm. characters in fiction, we want to see these vulnerabilities. We want to see these traits that actually make a character unlikable because inherently we've all got them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to see something like that on, on the page because it feels real. Oh yeah. Thank you. I think, yeah, I, I, I particularly sometimes with, with female characters, there's kind of that emphasis on, on sort of people instinctively needing them to be warm or, or relatable or relatable. Yeah. And people are a lot kind of more complex than that. And I think often in a way, sometimes people can be readers, you know, everybody can be more forgiving if a man displays certain traits because it's kind of what they're used to. So yeah, I think with Ellen, I wanted her just to be herself regardless, male or woman, male or female. I think, yeah, like you say, we all have those parts of us which might be unpalatable I suppose <laughs> and and do you have do you have um, books that sort of immediately spring to mind um, when you think about female characters who've been inspiring to you um, in the creation of your characters 
Yeah, I think probably uh, I, I, there's a book I'm actually going to be talking about tomorrow on another podcast. And I think one of the she mainly writes historical fiction, but Sarah Waters is someone um, I love all of her characters um, within books. But one of the really um, interesting characters she has, it's one of the books actually that inspired the sanatorium is The Little Stranger. Um, okay. Yeah. And you have various characters within that. And then also within The Paying Guest, which is another book where you have female characters who I think are just not necessarily, I, I say unlikable is the wrong word because I like them, but I think traditionally you'd say they're unlikable, kind of quite spiky, yeah. feisty characters. Um, and though yeah. it's historical fiction, I kind of think it's all the more powerful because I think the sort of restraints on them within those times were very much to have those sort of maternal roles. And she's quite subversive with that. So though they're not a thriller and quite different, I find how she, I mean, she's just amazing at creating characters anyway, they feel so real. But yeah, she does something great with her characters where, yeah, they're not always necessarily likeable, but they always feel real. I think so. And and historical fiction, it's true that we, we're given um, a viewpoint of what women were like in history, mm. what anybody was like in history, really, which comes through in a watered down version of various people's versions of the truth. And so we have this idea about women in the past where they were much more... Um, subdued, where they had to abide by certain rules. But actually, when you look back in history and, and dig beneath the surface, there are some really, really feisty characters there. Yeah, definitely. And another sort of contemporary author I love is Tessa Hadley. I don't have you read The Past? It's one of my I favorite. Yeah, it's one of my recommended reads. If I say to if anyone hasn't ever read any sort of Tessa Hadley, um, it's just an amazing book where they kind of these siblings meet up at an old kind of home. It was their grandparents' home, and yeah, just sort of again really complex family dynamics. But there, you kind of take the point of view of different sisters within the house as they kind of meet and yeah kind of chat about the, the relationships between them and yeah within that book you again she just isn't afraid to kind of make the female characters very real um, and with all the sort of neuroses and, and conjures that really well so yeah she's another huge inspiration. Well I've just written that down because that's something I've never I've never um, read that book so I'd like to I'd like to look yeah, at it's, that. It's an amazing piece of kind of uh, how she writes about the sort of landscape and nature as well it's just oh yeah it's beautiful in every way. <laughs> I, I think locations really really can make or break a book and I think you know we've already said about how Le Somme is it feels like a character so tell us a little bit about your inspiration behind creating that you've talked about the sanatorium but mm -hmm. you have a very special relationship with Switzerland as well yeah that's right I lived in Switzerland in my sort of 20s I moved out there for work um and yeah I always thought we kind of used to spend um, most of our weekends not really in the city we lived in Geneva for a while but then out in Crans Montana it's only a few sort of two hours from Geneva um right. yeah it's a beautiful beautiful place I have to say as, a, as, a, as an alpine resort it's actually quite open so yeah you, you've got the towering peaks but you've got sort of 360 degree views um from certain places it's kind of what it's famous for but even there kind of when storms kind of used to come in you really do feel that sense of of yeah of being hemmed in which I live by the sea and you kind of always got that horizon that sense of being open and looking out but in the mountains it's kind of you don't really get the same feeling um depending on where you are you feel those sort of looming towering kind of um mountains and and sort of cliff faces and yeah it's i've always found that hugely inspiring and i think in the book itself um it very much um echoes that kind of 
we have we meet the sort of characters when there's a snowstorm that snowstorm only intensifies and you've got that kind of white sort of clinical feeling from the outside that reflects the interior as well um and yeah it was just always a huge inspiration I spoke to Catherine Cooper for the for the last year. She's the author of The Chalet and she's a yeah. huge skier and so she loves life in the mountains. And yeah. we were talking about how I had tried once to ski and was so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so I remember terrible you saying this actually when we were yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm rubbish absolutely rubbish maybe if I had a proper holiday skiing I'd have a chance to get better but so far it has not been a good experience Um, but but I love I love the mountains I love being out in the mountains climbing and hiking that kind of thing and the weather is something that really makes it special like for me being up in the Lake District in the UK, you only have to get sort of like three, 300 metres up and you feel exposed. You feel that isolation from people. And when the mist comes down, you know, you have to rely on your own skills and knowledge and map reading and compass reading in order to make your way through this dangerous environment. And the weather also in the sanatorium seems to be really, really important because it's obviously that that traps them in the hotel. So have you experienced those kinds of conditions out in the mountains? And because the sense of fear, I think that the characters have really comes through. Yeah, oh, thank you. I think probably starting with where we kind of um, sort of start Ellen's journey in the book with kind of climbing up the mountain roads. I have to say, we've had a few hairy experiences um, with kind of the fog and like you say, the mist coming in and being on those kind of switchback, the the really sort of steep mountain paths, which I have to say, there are places in Switzerland where there, there are no barriers or or very few barriers. And I think probably my fears definitely um, manifest in Ellen there. Um, and yeah, yeah, when we're skiing, yeah, particularly we've got young children now and kind of when we take them out, there's there's moments where you're on the mountain and the storm comes in, you've got responsibility for these sort of little people in that environment. And yeah, it is hugely scary when things turn. Um, I think when you're particularly kind of at ground level by the sea, unless you're actually out on the water, which I think has a similar feeling of you feeling quite kind of helpless um, uh, yeah. against the face of it yeah in the mountains things are quite different you've got steep drops if you turn a corner um and as you say things turn so so quickly so yeah i think it's that extreme weather um that kind of creates a sense of tension but i think it also sort of um echoes something within the characters as well i think for ellen that feeling of isolation um that feeling of kind of um of turbulence a a real sort of sense of things building um that you get in the weather kind of is very much echoing her feelings um and yeah i think that helps probably as as a writer it helped me kind of create that mounting sense of tension and then hopefully for the reader too yeah it, I, I really think so. And I think there's something quite terrifying about, um, I mean, the weather is not the enemy in the book, but the weather yeah. feels like an enemy in the book. And it's, a, it's an enemy of, over which you have no control. Definitely. And I think that's something probably you know really wherever you live you probably do feel sometimes kind of when you look out of the window it's kind of when we had that period um of intense heat um wasn't last summer the summer before saying that actually it was we had that period at the beginning of the summer where it's kind of relentless in a way i think that's yeah. quite scary too it's kind of like you you yeah you have no control um yeah and yeah i think it sort of picks up on our feelings of sort of powerlessness doesn't it that feeling of yeah I think so. And I can definitely sympathise with the heat. (laughs) Yeah. No, I expect you must have that similar kind of feeling sometimes. You kind of think, oh, you know, you just wish you had one day where there's a release from it and then it doesn't happen. It's always sort of like this time of year when it's 
just about 30 degrees and oh, we always wow. say well if it was just like this for the next four months it would be really lovely but we know that we're like 10 or 15 degrees away from the oh hottest gosh, that's amazing I, I admire you must have good air conditioning <laughs> oh, we've got very good air conditioning good. <laughs> the only way I, we can live through the summer um now you've talked briefly about um the kind of inspirations behind your book um but I've seen a lot of the reviewers they've compared it to um stories like The Shining and that's Mm -hmm. certainly like one of the things that I felt when I first saw the cover I thought this is going to remind me of one of my favorite horrors ever written so are there any (laughs) are there any um are there any sort of authors and books in your history as a reader that you think have helped shape your journey into writing Sanatorium? Yeah, I have to say it sounds terrible because I know it's an amazing book, but I haven't actually seen the book. Uh, so I haven't actually seen the film or read the book of The Shining. <laughs> so oh, it's I'm, the most I'm, scary film ever. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to have to watch now, but yeah, the time, but I'm incredibly flattered because yeah, a few people have kind of said that. So that's really great. Um, but yeah, I think probably I, the book I mentioned before, um, I didn't kind of explicitly think so at the time, but one of the things that really struck me about Sarah Waters' The Little Stranger was how the sort of building, the house um, in that becomes a character in its own right. So you've got Hundreds Hall and it's kind of this decaying building. We meet it kind of at points in the book um, through Dr. Faraday's kind of narration um, where he describes it kind of in its heyday, this house. But yeah, you kind of see its decline as a lot of sort of old country houses did during that sort of period. Um, And yeah, it just becomes something, there's elements of the supernatural and yeah, it becomes this huge presence. And that kind of, yeah, very much sort of affected what I wanted to do within the book. Um, But I didn't, to be honest, realise how much of a character that the the sanatorium would become until I was writing. It kind of almost took on a life of its own. um, And I could still very much sort of walk around that building now, I have to say. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, I'm sure our building's look a little bit different in our mind but it's it's definitely something that you it's definitely something that you you picture you can move the characters around um one of the scenes that um that really is a very visual thing in my mind is when they're outside in the pool and the mist coming off it in the cold weather that thank you that scene is it's very um it's very sensory. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think probably that's one of the things I always feel when I'm in the mountains. I think you do feel all of your sense. Perhaps it's particularly in the winter, you have that extreme of kind of cold. And then if you are staying somewhere where you have that pool and you have the steam, there's lots of extremes you get in the mountains, which you probably don't yeah. in the same way. So you have these beautiful yeah. mountains against the very bright blue sky and then the weather turns. So yeah, um, yeah. there's another um, book which I found hugely inspiring is Thin Air by Michelle Paver. I don't know if you've read that one that's kind of a ghost story um I think so yeah it's kind of set in the Himalayas it's sort of they're climbing a fictional mountain um a historical novel um and a ghost story and yet again the mountains there become something this really sort of hugely malevolent presence um and yeah I just loved what she did in that book just everything from the description and yeah probably something that influenced me is how you see the characters react and I think as a reader you need to sort of see their visceral fear um without taking it onto kind of almost like an overblown melodramatic level she just kind of treads that fine line into making it very believable um and how they're sort of perceiving that sort of supernatural element um and I think a few people have said with the sanatorium they weren't sure whether it was going to kind of go in that supernatural um way but I was quite pleased yeah. the way that people had those questions and it sort of felt a little bit like that that hint of suggestion and and yeah because it, you do feel 
there's sort of this presence and whether it's the whether it's the hotel itself or the presence of the history of the place you do definitely feel that there's this sort of unknown pulse riding through the story and you're not quite sure which direction it's going to go oh that's really I'm glad that came across <laughs> <laughs> so the ending we're obviously not going to talk about the ending but there is a bit of a cliffhanger mm-hmm. at the end um so I'm not sure what to ask you about it but I can't <laughs> not talk about it because I don't I don't want to sort of give anything away but does the cliffhanger relate to another book does the cliffhanger relate to something in the story yeah no the cliffhanger I can very openly say without kind of doing any spoilers that the the, ep- the epilogue as it were um very much relates to the book I'm sort of editing and working on now so yeah right the continuation so- of Ellen's story Oh, that's wonderful. So should we assume that there's going to be more than two? Uh, potentially. <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, no, I very much kind of, Ellen as a character, kind of when I started writing her, I knew there was a little bit more of a story to tell um, than sort of just in the sanatorium. I think we have quite interesting yeah. dynamics between her and her partner, Will, um, and then obviously yeah. Isaac. And then, yeah, as you start the sanatorium, she's sort of on a career break. So in book two, we kind of see, you know, what decisions she's made in her working life and how she sort of manages potentially to go back to that role. Um, yeah, lots sort of more in store for Ellen, hopefully. That's very exciting, which means there are also lots more in store for us as readers. Oh, yes, definitely. Lots more exciting, lots of dark. I'm really drawn to sort of the, the darker, kind of creepier side of things. So, yeah, this next book definitely has all of those elements. Do you think that you've been inspired by a lot of horror stories or thriller stories? Are there some, are there some stories that stand out in your mind? Yeah, I probably when you say not. That? Not actually any horror. I think probably when I was younger, I did the kind of usual sort of point horror stories, but I probably yeah. was quite frightened of... of reading um or even watching I, I have to say you know you all of the screen films and those kind of things perhaps they're almost yeah. too explicit in a way I'm not a big fan of kind of the gore and I think with the with the writing of it you can kind of perhaps take it to a different place in your head um so no I haven't read kind of more overtly horror I kind of again like that more of a suggestion um I did a podcast actually which kind of yeah they primarily focus on horror and I think they were quite surprised I hadn't read a lot of horror but it's probably I am as well taking it yeah just to mind limit of what I'm comfortable with and then sort of pulling away so um yeah I'm afraid I can't say there was one sort of particular horror book that inspired me in that way you write horror like a horror fan I can't believe that you're not I can't believe you don't read horror yeah it's that's incredible it's probably my own kind of fears in a way are probably more horrifying I think probably one thing I share with Ellen is kind of that sense of sort of claustrophobia um so it probably came across as something quite real because I (laughs) I genuinely feel it too so perhaps that where it stems from my own kind of uh, fears and, and horrors well I think perhaps to learn that just makes what you accomplished with the sanatorium even more incredible oh thank you <laughs> uh, well it's out now obviously it's been out for for some time when did it when did the hardback uh, get published yeah so in the UK in the US it was on the 2nd of February and then in the UK it was the 18th paperback is going to be out at some point later this year yeah I think December the 8th is the uh, is the provisional date um, I know these things can change so yeah but December oh, just in time for a nice snowy Christmas story. Yeah, fingers crossed we get some snow here too. <laughs> oh, well, fantastic if you do. That will definitely make a lot of very nice Instagram photos. It would, wouldn't it? With the covers of the sanatorium. <laughs> um, and the second book? Yeah, that's coming out in uh, the 31st of March next year, so 2022. 
does it have a title yet? Yeah, it's going to be called The Retreat. Oh, very nice. Thanks. Exciting. I can already I'm already getting ideas about what that might be about oh yeah no it's um <laughs> yeah it's kind of a little bit different as well from the sanatorium so we follow Ellen but we're also kind of following for slightly longer a different point of view so um yeah it's quite an exciting story can you um can you share anything about what the story is about yeah um it's Ellen's heading away from the snow which I think is probably quite a relief as we see kind of on the funicular at the end of the sanatorium um I think she's quite relieved to be traveling down and and sort of away from that but yeah we follow sort of um Ellen and then um a group of sort of family members um as they head away on a break so um yeah but it's it's got all the sort of um dark elements I love um in reading a book in it similar to the sanatorium and um yeah some more sort of dramatic landscapes which is quite exciting. I'm very excited about reading that. Um, Wishing you all the best for the continued publication of the sanatorium and for the paperback release. And it has just been absolutely lovely to talk to you. Oh, thanks so much, Michelle. Thanks for inviting me on. It's it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm not sure whether you can. I don't think we've prepped this, but is there any chance I could ask you to do a reading? Oh, definitely, yeah. If you let me um, grab a copy, one second. Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Ellen, are you going to come? Will's wo- last word is lost against the sound of the flag above, flapping in the gusting wind. Thick flakes of snow plummet from the sky, settling on her face. Her stomach clenches. Despite Will's presence and the hotel in front of her, she can't help but be struck by their isolation, the absolute remoteness of the location. The drive from town had taken more than an hour and a half, With each minute ticking by, the winding roads drawing them further up the mountain, Ellen couldn't shake her growing sense of unease. The journey had taken longer than usual because of the snow, but she still can't escape the fact that they're a long way from civilization. Apart from the hotel, all she can see is a mass of trees, snow, the shadowy bulk of the mountains looming over them. Ellen, are you coming? Will starts walking, bumping their cases across the snow towards the entrance of the hotel. She nods hand locked tight around the strap of her bag. Standing there in front of the hotel, she can feel the strangest thing, a disturbance in the air, a curious restlessness that has nothing to do with the falling snow. Ellen looks around. The driveway and the car park beyond are empty. No one's there. Everyone from the funicular has gone inside. It's the building, she thinks, absorbing the vast white structure. The more she looks, the more she senses attention an anomaly. She hadn't noticed it in the brochure Isaac sent, but then, she thinks, those photos were taken from a distance, highlighting the scenic backdrop, the snow-covered peaks, the forest of white-frosted firs. They hadn't focused on the building itself, how savage it looks. There's no doubting its past, what it used to be. There's something brutally clinical about the architecture, the air of the institution in the stark lines, the relentless rectangular planes and faces, the modernist flat roofs. Glass is everywhere, dizzying, whole walls of it, allowing you to see right in. Yet, Ellen thinks, stepping forwards, something's odds with that clinical feel. Details not visible in the brochure. Carved balustrades and balconies, the beautiful stretch of wooden veranda on the ground floor. This is the anomaly, she thinks, the tension she's picked up on. This juxtaposition, it's chilling. Institution butting up against beauty. Probably deliberate, she thinks, when they designed the building 
the intricate decor and attempt to conceal the fact that this was not a place where someone came for fun. This was a place where people had struggled with illness, a place where people died. It makes sense now, her brother celebrating his engagement here. This place, like Isaac, is all about facades, covering up what really lies beneath. Oh, that's fabulous. Okay. Yeah, it's so great to hear you to hear you read it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's interesting when you hear. I don't know if you felt the same, but when you hear the sort of narrator reads it, it's always slightly different, isn't it, to how you've say it, say it in your head. It's a strange thing. <laughs> it is. It is one of the one of the books that um that really uh, stood out for me for that was the recovery of Rose Gold. I chatted to Steph Robel who who wrote that, and to to hear her. Sort of narrating in her own American accent, it gives it a completely different edge to how I hear it in my head. Oh. Um, so I think uh, I think it's really a treat to listen to authors s say the words exactly as they mean them to be oh, heard. That's really so yeah, I'll have to try and listen. So did you you interviewed her for your podcast? I interviewed her last last season. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and her reading was really nice. She she gave a few sort of. Uh, she put emphasis on certain words that yeah. um, that you sort of you're not expecting because it comes in a different sort of accent. But it, yeah, the reading from different authors, I think, are just fabulous. It oh. gives you an insight into how it's written. And so thank you so much for sharing it with us. Oh, no problem. Are you are you writing today? I am. Yeah, I'm kind of very I've got my sort of edit deadline coming up in at the end of June. So I'm sort of in the thick of that at the moment. But it's the quite oh. phase where the sort of plot is roughly there. So it's just, yeah. And I'm going through chapter by chapter at the moment. What about you? Are you uh, right? I am. I'm actually writing a thriller at the moment. Oh, yeah, I'm actually, um, it's it's really strange. I thought when I was writing Little Wishes and and the I the love next your book, book in... by the way. I know I've said it. Oh, you know, the thing I did. I forgot to say. I wanted to say at the beginning. Thank you so much for blurbing it. I appreciated oh, that so God. much. I genuinely loved it. It was kind of because I'd been obviously in the thick of doing all of my thriller stuff. It was, yeah, it was really yeah. refreshing. And I just think you kind of captured everything um, about the sort of coastal location. It's just in the love story. Yeah, it really touched me. It was lovely. Oh, thank you. That means such a lot. That means such a lot when people connect with it. Um, and I and I love writing those books. And I have another women's fiction that I'm I'm I've written it, but I've got to edit it at some point in the future. Uh, but I have I have this thriller that um, I want to write. And actually, it's been lovely coming back to writing thrillers again because it's what I started with doing, you know, ten years ago. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm, pre I'm pretty uh, excited about it actually, and I hope that somebody wants to buy it because um, it's it's taken me. I've put so much into it, and I'm I'm really um, it's not quite ready yet. I've got a lot to do, but um, I do think it's a story that I'm going to be really happy with at the end. So oh, good. it's nice to have that feeling, isn't it? That you feel yeah, I, it's something exciting. It and, yeah. is. It is. I'm on draft two at the moment, but I've pretty much started from scratch, knowing that I'm going to pick a lot from the first draft and put it into the second draft, but you know when you just get that feeling like you know where it's going and so it's a lot easier to yes, do it so yeah, yeah. hopefully oh, hopefully I know where it's going <laughs> if it ever makes it to publication I'll send you a copy <laughs> thank you so much good luck with your edits there it's so lovely to talk to you oh brilliant thanks so much Michelle good luck with yours thank you thank you very much have a lovely day you too bye